Welcome to the Going Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Zinn. I am a mother, an author, an entrepreneur, a daughter, a friend, and more. I started this podcast when my second child was born to create a space for inspiring and meaningful discussions from the quiet space of my home. What blossomed is a platform for people who quite simply want to grow each and every day of their lives. Even though I'm the founder of Beyond Mom, what revealed itself was that these conversations weren't only for moms, they were for everyone. We are a lifestyle podcast that covers health, both body and mind, self-care, why it's a necessity, and how tough it can be to master, entrepreneurship, its ups and downs, cultural disruption and the topics we sometimes avoid, as well as love, sex, friendship, and more. I interview movement makers, leaders, survivors, writers, and founders. Some names you may know, and some you may not. But either way, I know that their stories need to be told. These conversations move me and will move you to step forward with more strength, clarity, and kindness with every micro moment of your day. Enjoy today's conversation, share it with the ones you love, and let me know how you're inspired to go beyond. Welcome to the Going Beyond podcast. This is your host, Randy Zinn. I'm really excited to step into a conversation today with my friend, Pauline Anis, also a fellow Athleta ambassador and someone who I have just been dying to have a bigger, better conversation with because every time I see her, I just want to keep talking to her. So <laughs> Pauline is here with me today. Hi, Pauline. Hi, Randy. <laughs> Hello, all the Beyond Mom listeners. So happy to be here. Hey, hey. So Pauline has actually been a part of Beyond Mom. She sat on a panel I hosted last year all about motherhood and mindfulness. She is definitely someone who can speak to that, and she's going to speak to it today. But a little bit more about her, she is a yoga and dance instructor, a wellness expert, a model, a mama of two. She's a New Yorker. She is passionate about helping others connect to their highest self. She's guided students of all ages in the sacred movements of yoga and dance through a range of workshops and classes. She's a Kripalu-trained instructor. She's been featured in all kinds of media. She's studied dance. As I said, she's an ambassador for Athleta. So that's actually originally how we know each other. She is a longtime vegan, a wellness coach. She's a go-to expert on plant-based wellness through pregnancy and beyond. And she's busy writing her first book, which, OMG, we need to talk about that. And yeah, so she's got two children, a husband, and she is rocking her life, touching all all these different parts of herself, all of these creative outlets are alive and well. And I actually think that's a great place to start our conversation, Pauline, because so many women, especially moms, like, God, we're juggling so many things. We're wearing all these hats. And we really legitimately want to keep our creative selves alive and inspired. And I look at you and I look at, okay, here's a woman who is 
dancing and teaching and writing and living a life based on, you know, a lot of the things you really care about. So maybe you can start by telling us a little bit about your story and about how you keep all these parts of yourself alive. Oh, awesome. Um, So my story is very interesting. All the things that you mentioned that I do, I've actually been doing for a very long time. I always say when I, I went to a school at Howard University in Washington, D.C., and it was there that I became vegetarian. It was there that I received my dance training, and I also had my very first yoga class. And I also met my husband there. So everything in my life now started there. I always say that. Thanks to Howard University. I Thank you, Howard <laughs> University, right? <laughs> I actually went there and did a radio show there when I was on my book tour. Did you really? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. awesome. Yes. 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 So that's really the mecca where everything started for me in terms of not just where I became just aware of health and wellness and, of course, how important movement was in my life, but also as a performing arts major, I was musical theater major in undergrad, I was always very tapped into my creative self. And after graduating, I moved to New York City and, you know, performed for a while. And it was actually when I got pregnant with my daughter, my first child in 2007, because she was born in 2008, is when I really started to dive more into yoga. And that's when I began to teach it shortly after in 2010. And that was it really came through my pregnancy. I was obviously doing prenatal yoga and just taking really good care of myself and with all of my wellness that I had learned and I'm kind of self-taught initially before going to nutrition school in 2010. So in 2010 was a big year because I did my yoga teacher training and I also became a, a wellness coach at that time and studied nutrition. And so like these intersections, they all just came together and I wanted to continue to perform, but also continue to serve people on a greater level because I always saw myself as a performer that I was a, giving a service, right? Kind of an indirect service, but I was allowing people to share to experience joy or whatever emotion came through the performance that I was giving, but I wanted to touch people in an individual way. And so teaching classes allowed me to do that, to really connect with people on a personal level as opposed to an indirect way when you have a, a stage barrier, if you know what I mean, when you're on stage. Yes. So that's what really led me to begin teaching yoga in 2010. And, and I was teaching dance and theater before that in the midst of performing years prior. So that teacher hat always came on really naturally for me. And it just brings me so much joy to share what I love and to have to be blessed to do what I love in my career today. So how do you keep that? I mean, I was just sort of doing the math in my head. I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. so she became a, you got your nutrition degree and your yoga certification and your daughter was two, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm like doing the math Mm -hmm. there. So like, tell us a little bit about that time. Yes, that was a very challenging time. And I'll say why, because when I got, became pregnant with her, I was dancing and I was actually still tr- studying. I had just finished studying at Alvin Ailey and I was I had done some tours and I got pregnant. And so there was actually a shock. It was a surprise. And so what ended up happening is I took on a job in the corporate America. And it was my very first time having a corporate job. I worked at an investment bank as a trader's assistant out of the blue, like it was so random, but I took that <laughs> opportunity because I needed maternity leave as an artist. I didn't have these, you know, certain benefits that I know I needed in health insurance as the, once I got pregnant, like strong health insurance, I should say, because through the union, I did have it, but it wasn't a strong plan. So I did take on a job and that job is when I really became truly committed to living out my passion because 
I didn't like it there, I should say. <laughs> I'm actually having a really hard time picturing it. <laughs> yeah, everyone said that, like, what? You were, yes, I was on a trading floor, like, it, right when the market crashed. So in that time period when everything crashed, I was a trader's assistant at Barclays Capital when they merged with Lehman Brothers. And it oh, was in very intense, I know. And so that was when my daughter, you know, that was when through infancy. So I went, I was working there, and I, now I was to do maternity leave, and that was great. So it was a really great company to work for, and there were all sorts of benefits. But it just, my heart wasn't there and I knew I needed to do something else. And so my husband, who is incredible, recognized that. And my yoga teacher training was actually a six week immersion that was abroad. It was in Guatemala. So I went away for six weeks when my daughter was two and a half and did the teacher training. And I needed to because in that time from being in that environment, it was very toxic in for two years. And it literally drained my soul. And so I needed to restore. And I wasn't, I knew that it was like, you know, what we always say is you have to put your own mask on first. And I knew I needed to kind of regroup and recenter. So my yoga training, even though you're learning to teach others in a training, it's very much self-discovery and learning about yourself and how to emerge in a way where I can be the best human possible, the best mother possible, the best wife possible. And so, yeah, that was a huge time. For me, and while I was still at Bar- at the investment bank, I also was doing my in yoga in the nutrition school. So that's why everything happened at the in the 2010. The Going Beyond podcast has been growing, and we are thrilled to be expanding our offerings. Save the date for October 17th at 6 p.m. at Athleta Flatiron for our first ever live podcast event. The theme of the evening is empowering change through radical health and healing. We're going to be hosting a live conversation with company founders who are radically shifting the mindset, the conversation, and the product offerings to women and for women so that we can finally take our health and healing back into our hands. The conversation will be held with a live studio audience and will be recorded to air on our beloved podcast. The event will also include a marketplace for our guests to experience our brand partners and their founders. Stay tuned for more details and for when tickets go on sale. See you there. I mean, talk about major beyond mom move to know that, mm-hmm. you know, two-year-old here and mm-hmm. knowing that you had to restore your soul and mm-hmm. get that part of yourself back to be the mother and person that you want yes. to be. It's like really profound. It really was. And I never really speak about that much, this part of my story, which I probably should, because it was a very profound moment because I had to quit that job, which I had become comfortable with financially, but I knew that it wasn't for me. So I quit in May and in June I was off and I was gone from June to August to do that deep training and that deep kind of self discovery and in healing for me. And there was also challenge because as a mother, you can get judgment you know, when you leave. And so I I did experience that, but I was just so grateful to have a husband who fully and 100% supported me and also parents who came and visited to make sure that she was taken care of as well, which also, which made it so easy for me just knowing that she would be okay. And I also thought about it in the span of her life, that it was a very brief amount of time that was being taken for me to do something I know I needed to do. So that's, did you feel your own guilt that you had to process? It was brief, but I knew that I had to do it. And what gave me comfort is knowing that she was going to be cared for and that she would be okay. And I knew she'd be okay. Wow. You know, 
Mm-hmm. And today she doesn't even remember that. She's no, of like, course what not. Happened? <laughs> yeah, no, of course not. No, that's the thing. I didn't know we were going in this direction, but I really mm-hmm. do. I think I feel victim to it myself. And I watched mm-hmm. so many other women feel victim to this feeling that we are always damaging our children by stepping mm-hmm. away, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, for me, if I have like a week like this where I have three nights out of the week that I need to go to stuff, I'm like, oh my God. You know, Mm -hmm. my kids are going to fall apart. Like, what is that? Like, my kids are loved and taken care of and everything is good. So, yeah, like, what is that? (laughs) Yeah, I think for you have to know. And if you have a support system, which I did, I'm sure you do, too, you know that they're okay and they're going to be okay. And in no way defines your love for your child if you have to take some time to do something for yourself, you know, which is what I think we tell ourselves. 100%. Okay, so like we basically are defining this conversation as like two moms talking about how we're getting it done. And not only how we're getting it done, but like how we're doing it with the intentions that we set for our lives. So you're a mindfulness expert, Pauline, and like now you have you have a 10 year old and then how old is your son? He's four. He's four. Okay. So I'm sure that you're challenged left and right with how to find your moments of mindfulness and bringing your family into emotional and mental balance on the daily, right? Yes, (laughs) on the daily. (laughs) Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what that's like in your household, like maybe a couple stories, and then Mm -hmm. give us some of the tools that you've been using that have really proved to be effective. Okay. Yes. So I think that with my kids, there's obviously there's six and a half years between the two of them. So they are very different places in terms of their development. But and they have moments where they get along so wonderfully. And they have moments where it's not so great, right? There can be many of those moments because you have the older sister who finds the younger brother to be annoying and, you know, messing with her thing. And so there's like this constant, it can literally go from zero to a hundred in one second. I have the same scenario. Same (laughs) exact. Oh my God. And there's four years between them, but same Uh thing. Yeah. Yeah. So we can be a complete piece and then all of a sudden it's like, Stop everything. I have a problem. It's like, okay, what's going on? So you have to really, for me and my husband, we have to really stay grounded and very patient with them because it it will happen back to back, like in constant cycles in the span of, you know, 24 hours or I'll say 12 hours that we're awake. But it's interesting, like one of the things that we have been doing with our family, which I think has been very effective, is we have a family meeting weekly. And during the family meeting, we um, have gratitude time where we'll each share something that the person did, uh, one of the family, each family member did to, and that they're proud of or that they, that they really appreciate it. And we also set a virtue for the week. So if we're working on kindness that week or if we're working on being more loving or being more grateful, whatever that is, we'll have something, we'll have a word and I'll let the children decide what that could be the, for the week as well. So really giving them power over what choices that they make and how they want to in terms of their character development, if that makes sense. Does every family member work on the same virtue that week? Sometimes we do, but sometimes yeah. it might be different. Okay. Yeah, sometimes it might be different, but most of the time it's the same. 
it'll be the same thing. And we all want to remind each other if, you know, if you're lacking a right. bit, if something oh, comes sure. up, <laughs> <I'm> sure. <laughs> which is okay, which is also good because we start to really become aware of how we respond to each other and how we interact. And, and it's funny because doing this with my son, my son, who's obviously younger, we started this practice when he was still, I would say he was maybe one years old when we began having these family meetings weekly. And he would, was always present, obviously, but he wasn't speaking yet. And suddenly, one day, once he got his words and he started, as the months went by, he said, it's my turn. He wanted to have a turn. And when we were going around sharing what we were grateful for, and he took, we have a little Buddha that we pass around, and he took the Buddha and he started to say that he's grateful for the strawberries, I'm grateful for the blueberries, I'm grateful for mangoes. (laughs) And I, it was so incredible because I didn't, it was just a moment where I realized that we really are planting seeds in our children and they are paying attention, even though it seemed like he was just there. And another more recent situation is where he told his teacher about his family meetings and how he was working on being kind that week. And so that he goes out of the home and shares that was also just an indication that what we're doing and what we are creating for them really has so much value and it's planting seeds that are going to grow into a beautiful garden. That's my hope and wish. And I think it's a great way for us, for families in general, to just connect and find mindfulness with each other to just sit and be still. Because another challenge that we have is technology and finding ways to take technology out of the picture when you're at home, because I feel like we're all so attached to our devices. Now, our children don't really use technology, but my husband, he's always on the computer because of his work, and he works from home. We're both entrepreneurs, so there's always something that's happening and needs to be attended to, as you probably know. Like, there's emails coming through, not just from 9 to 5, but, you know, it could come through at 7 p.m., but it's like, how do we set boundaries so that it doesn't interrupt the time with our children, which we also like to create time. Time for meals. So uh, having our meals together is also something that we do on a daily basis where we sit down at the table together. But And my children also really like to prepare the food. So my son especially, meal prep time is his absolute favorite thing to do. And it's a really nice way to connect with him. And But when it's time to come to the table... And if, you know, if there's still some work that needs to be done or email, it's like you have to shut the phone off at a certain time. And it's in between, you know, 6 and 8.30 when before the kids go to bed, there can be no time with technology. And that's really something that my husband and I have to navigate. And, and it can be challenging. We have to definitely remind each other to it's put the phone, <laughs> the phone down. Yeah, I mean, the blessing and the curse of the entrepreneur is that it's, freedom, it's flexibility, Mm -hmm. but it's constant. And so Mm -hmm. it absolutely is up to us to set those boundaries. And yeah, our kids do appreciate it. Do you ever notice like when you're on your phone or whatever, like your kid is like, mom, 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 put it down, put it down. Like they call you out, you know, they call you out 100%. My son will say, put the phone down, mommy, come on, let's come play. Yeah, it's time to play. It's like, okay. So you (laughs) and so they see and then we also have to be aware that if we are setting the example, right, are we giving, telling them to kind of disconnect and spend so much time staring at their phones? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So it's an example that we're setting with our devices because whatever we gravitate towards, they will naturally as well. Yeah. 
I was going to say, like, coming back to your point, too, that, like, we have to remember that it's the little things that count and the little seeds that we plant that blossom over time. Like, mm-hmm. I think what's great about this, like, family discussion concept, which, you know, we can all come up with our own ways to do it. But really what it is, is it's just calling attention and slowing down and actually acknowledging something, which teaches Mm -hmm. you a skill that takes you through your life. It's like, Mm -hmm. how do I slow down? How do I acknowledge people in my life? How do I say what I'm grateful for? Like allows you to just live in a more positive, mindful space. And it's those little actions and exercises that can really take you and your children a long way. Yes, 100%. I actually did a workshop not too long ago with with mothers where we looked at ways to bring mindfulness into with your family. And I was just blown away at some of the things when people already do, because I feel like we do so many things already that we don't give ourselves credit for. And so when I initially asked the question, what are you doing in terms of mindfulness for your family? Everyone was like, ooh, I'm not doing anything. I don't know. I'm not doing anything. But when I invited them to actually think about something, Everyone had something that they did, and it could be something as small as just waking up an extra, like, 10 minutes earlier and just having a time to snuggle and hug or a bedtime story. You know, it's like these little things that we do to give our children time and to put the technology away. And one mother, which I thought, because these things change, I think, as our children age and as they get older, there's going to be, you know, maybe your my 10-year-old doesn't really need a story at the end of the night, but she does want me to come in and just have a little conversation with her and just talk about her day and how she's feeling emotionally. Like, she really appreciates that. And there was a mother who has teenagers, and I thought this was really funny, but she said one of the things that she did with her girls is they're very emotional because I think she's their preteens or maybe teenagers at this point. So they have a lot of things going on. So everything's always dramatic and it's like the end of the world with ever, you know, situation. So she said she bought a blood pressure cuff. So when they come in, mommy, I'm this and this and this. She said, I'm going to hold on. Let me get the blood pressure cuff. Let's check your blood pressure. And so that gives them time. <laughs> that gives them time to just be still for a minute. They check in and it's like, Ooh, we, your blood pressure's high. Let's take some deep breaths first and then come back and then we'll talk. And so they do that every time there's like a huge, you know, obstacle or situation that she comes in the door with. And I thought that was so funny, but just such a creative way to invite my, I think that is a form of mindfulness of just connecting and saying, okay, slow down. What's going on? Let's check and see what's happening. Oh my God. That's so funny, but it's also humorous too. It's It's humorous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. And it breaks the tension because she'll laugh, you know? (laughs) Exactly, exactly, exactly. All right, let's switch gears a little bit because your other expertise is food. And I think mindfulness, well, what you brought up is that we put a lot of pressure on ourselves to provide mindful moments and raise conscious, grateful kids. And I love that your point is like, you know, you're doing more than you realize. And here are some easy ways that you can add a little more in. Like that approach is so lovely and so welcoming. How can you share some of that same kind of energy around food and healthy eating with our families? Hmm. I think the biggest challenge with healthy eating is time. Everyone says, I don't have time, right? I don't have time to cook. So I think it's really just kind of reframing what healthy eating is for people and but also figuring out how to make time for having meals together and it may not happen every single night but I think making time for it is very important and for me personally because my schedule can be I don't want to say chaotic but it's very spontaneous 
and things are constantly shifting. So there's some evenings where I'll be away or I have to teach a class or a workshop. So I won't be present. But one thing that I always do before I leave is prepare a meal for my family so that they have something to eat. That's just something that's very bad that, that I truly value is preparing food for my family and healthy food. And I think one of the challenges with healthy food is a lot of moms also feel that their kids don't want to eat it. They don't want to eat kale or salads or, you know, some, some kids, maybe even smoothies, but people just kids. When we think about kid meals, if you go to a restaurant right now and you get a kid menu, it's going to have pizza, right? It's going to have like, you said, oh, cause you know, it'll be a hot dog. It'll be something that's like, why are we feeling like, it's not something that we, the adults want to eat. So like, why will we feed that to our kids? I have really big issues with kids menus. Yes. There's a huge problem with the kid menu. Yes. Yes, it has no color to it. It has no color to it at all. And so just to bring in my the cookbook that I'm working on, since when I, 2008, when I got pregnant with my daughter, I was vegan. And I created pretty much a meal plan for myself to make sure that I received all the nutrients that I needed as a vegan that was pregnant. And I saved all of them. And so I have all these recipes that I've, not just from when I was pregnant, but also postpartum and then meals for my children that I prepared that they really enjoyed. So I've saved all of those. And so I, what I'm putting together is just to make a book are all those recipes just because I've, they're kind of kid proven, you are kid approved, I should say. And I think that in, for me, I find that encouraging kids to eat healthy foods early is very important and limiting the junk that they eat at an early age really sets their taste buds so that they are open to eating greens or, you know, quinoa or things like that. We usually just kind of hold for adults, but making those things available to them. And so my children both eat all of that that I just listed and they eat it willfully and happily. But I think it's because there was never any other option for them. Absolutely. Well, I mean, not for nothing, I've done the same. We're not a vegan household, but same philosophy, like super wholesome, healthy. And I've just kind of never made it like you eat anything different than I do kind of atmosphere. Right. And I think like the other thing that I've talked about this a lot, too, it's like you have to enjoy it yourself for your kids to enjoy it, too. And it's like if you enjoy cooking, they're going to want to enjoy cooking with you. If you enjoy a garden, if you're lucky to have one or even just a potted plant or two, like let them experience touching a plant, picking a leaf, picking a tomato and then enjoying it. I mean, it's such a full sensory experience and kids don't want to be talked to. They want an experience. Right. Just like we do. Right. It's so important. And I think finding joy in preparing food, because I think a lot of people do. Again, they have kind of blockages around cooking. A lot of people I know. But I think there's so many creative ways now with, you know, these like blue apron, like these boxes that come to you in the mail with the recipe and they have everything measured. And, you know, so it's like fine. It makes it so much easier. So we do have Lots of resources that we didn't have in the past to try to find creative ways to prepare a meal. And then maybe it's, if you, again, if you have our if time as a constraint, then maybe it's you cook for me personally. Like I cook on Sundays and I cook on Wednesdays. Those are usually my big food prep days unless there's, you know, some obviously sometimes it doesn't happen. But usually on those days I prepare several meals that I know will kind of stretch through for the family for the week just because of time. So I think it's really, I mean, it's a, it's a slightly a time management thing, but it's also just saying yes to nourishing your family without judging and finding the works for you and your family as well. Save the date for Saturday, November 2nd. 
for the next Beyond Mom Retreat held at our Hudson Valley Retreat Space, hosted in partnership with my friend Rachel Welch of Revolution Motherhood. This will be a day of movement, meditation, community, food, pampering, and more. Tickets will go on sale this fall. Mark your calendar and begin having those discussions with your loved ones now so that you can get the support you need to take care of you. If you don't ask for it, you can't always have it, right? November 2nd, mark your calendar to start investing in yourself, truly your greatest asset. I mean, with the days that I cook, like I'm such a fan of cooking more than I need because then I have the leftovers and either I like repurpose aspects of it into another meal or I will like freeze it and then a few weeks later be like, yes, I can defrost this amazing like stew I made or this amazing thing that I made. And the kids love that. Like, they're happy to eat that great meal again. They don't remember, you know? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So it is about, like, also thinking ahead and being resourceful and enjoying, enjoying the process. I'm sure you are too, but I love the farmer's market. And I love bringing the kids there because then they see, they get it, you know? Yes. And I, they love to go to the farmer's market, right? It's so much fun for them. And farmer's market, they always have something for the kids too. They always have free things or someone handles something out and that's always exciting right some little knickknack but yeah I think getting I was going to say just what you were saying with the process I think having the kids be involved in the process by taking them to the farmer's market by helping them peel the potato or peel the carrot it brings them so much joy and it makes them feel a part of the home and the responsibilities which I think leads to independence and leads to confidence yeah so the one question I would have about all of this is you know we're talking about tips for mindfulness and tips for healthy eating. And I know from talking to a lot of women who are juggling a lot and feeling kind of overwhelmed by their life, that conversations like this, interestingly, even though we know we're like super encouraging and positive people, they can actually feel overwhelmed by these conversations and say, oh, so it's like another thing I have to do. So for a woman that feels like that, like what would you tell her and how would you just give her some easy encouragement to step into these spaces but not feel overwhelmed or defeated? Several things. Well, the first thing I would say is perspective. I think perspective is important. And food, in terms of healthy eating, if there's one thing that we all have to do is what? We have to eat. We have to. Like, this is non-negotiable. So when you're looking at the things, if you take a moment and look at everything you have on your plate, if you will, figuratively, what's on there that can go away? Eating is not going to be one of those things. So that's something that should be a priority. And eating well should also be a priority because we know that that's obviously going to help with our health and well-being, not just today, but also long term. So I think finding a way to or looking at your responsibilities and kind of whittling away other things that are kind of getting in the way of your food preparation or or that are making preparing food seem daunting because I think we all have more time than we think we do and it's we all do right we all have it but I think if you schedule time that changes everything for especially for professional women because we, we will schedule everything else but we won't schedule time to take a bath or just time to sit in meditation or just to be still and do nothing but that time is just as valuable and that cannot be negotiable and what I find with I'm just going to say with males I was listening to actually a, another friend who has a podcast and she was saying how her husband when he schedules something like I'm going to do this day I'm going to relax or I'm going to spend this time writing on my book he does it no matter what 
But as women, we say, well, okay, sure, I'll just cancel that out. I won't have to do that. But you can't negotiate on that time. If you schedule something for yourself, you need to do it. And I think food and meal prep is one of those things that you have to eat and your family has to eat. And it doesn't have to be this huge task. It can literally just be an hour. And there's so many resources out there that you can tune into for quick and easy meals to prepare for your family that you don't have to be Chef Boyardee. I mean, you don't have to be, I don't want to say Chef Boyardee, but you don't have to be. (laughs) um, But we don't want Chef Boyardee. You don't have to be a chef is my point. You don't have to be a chef to get it done. And I think it's also a way to involve the kids because the kids are always looking to do something with you. So it's like, get the kids involved. They can help. But then sometimes I feel like some moms feel like they're getting away because some, there are times for me personally when if I know I just need to, to get this meal done really quick, I need to have 20 minutes to do it and my son wants to help peel the carrots. It's like, okay, I really just want to get this done now. Yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to assess the moment. You have to assess, you have to like, assess the moment. Yeah. Like, do we need to get this done now or can we also make this an activity? <laughs> exactly. And each moment is different. But I would just tell her to maybe reframe the way that she's thinking about food in particular, because there are a lot of things and expectations of us as mothers. And, but I think food preparation should be one of those things or has to be because again, we have to nourish ourselves should be one of those things that you make time for. So it's looking at your schedule, looking at what you're doing with your time and figuring out a way, whether it be once or twice a week to get into the kitchen to get it done. And once it's done, you feel so accomplished. You can, you know that that's done. You don't have to worry about food. At least for me personally, it's always like, okay, great. That's done. I can move on. I can teach that evening class because I know that, you know, everything's taken care of in that front. That's amazing. So I don't want to put you on the spot, Pauline, but of what you're like, yes. But one of the best parts of the mindfulness event that you shared with me last year was when you brought the group together in a circle and you led this really beautiful meditation. And I can't remember exactly what you acknowledged in that meditation. I just know that everyone felt so refreshed and so present after you let it. And I wonder if I could put you on the spot and to close our conversation today, if you might lead just like a two minute little thoughtful meditation for our listeners. Okay, let's see. I can do that. (laughs) I know you can. (laughs) All right. So yeah, the meditation, I think also what made that so beautifully was just the space that you create, Randy, of community. And just as mothers coming together to see each other, not in a judgmental way, but to be present and to acknowledge each other, to behold each and every person present, their beauty and what they're doing and to just see each other means so much, you know. Thank you. Pauline. And to hear from each other, to support and uplift each other is just something that we really need as human beings, not just as mothers, you know. So thank you for thank what you, you do. Pauline. Thank you. So let's, wherever you are, just find a comfortable seated position. If you're standing, that's fine too. But the important thing is that you find a long spine. So feel length down through your tailbone. Feel energy reaching up through your spinal column and up through the crown of the head. Maybe allow your eyes to gently close or take a downward gaze. And just allow yourself to become still. 
your attention and your awareness to drop inward. Maybe in this moment, taking one hand and placing it on the heart and taking one hand and placing it on the belly. And as you settle into stillness, maybe begin to witness and notice your inner rhythms. The rhythm of the heart gently pulsing against your palm. The sensation of breath entering and exiting the belly. With that hand on the belly, feel it rise as you take a slow, deep inhale. Then gently exhaling through the mouth, sighing out anything that's not serving you in this moment. We'll do that three more times, taking a deep, slow inhalation and maybe even visualizing that inhalation as light entering through the body, filling up through each cell in your physical being. And on the exhale, letting go of anything that's not serving you, any stress from the day, anything someone said or anything that happened, just letting it go with the breath. Twice more, so slow, deep, inhale, filling up with that light field energy, and exhale, letting it go, releasing through the mouth. And take that one more time, slow inhale, this time holding it in, feel the breath, feel the light, feel prana in the body. And then exhale, sigh it out audibly. <sighs> I'm just taking one more moment to just be with yourself. Maybe just finding a moment of gratitude for your life and for your journey, for your family, for all that is and all that will be. And we give gratitude, and I'll say ashe, which we say in the Yoruba tradition, it means, and so it is. So ashe. Ashe. <laughs> Pauline, that was beautiful. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You're so welcome. Thank you, Randy, Pauline, for amazing. having me. <laughs> Quickly, before we say goodbye, tell everybody where we can find you. You can find me across social media platforms at Pauline Anise. And my website is also palinanise.com. That's P-I-L-I-N-A-N-I-C-E.com. Awesome. Palin, thank you again for sharing my your, pleasure. your beauty and your passion and your amazing tips and tools. And that meditation just, well, it put me right where I needed to be. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Randy. Such a pleasure. So grateful. Yes, grateful to you too. And grateful to all of you listeners who tuned in. And I hope you all did that beautiful meditation and that it reminded you that it's these inspiring conversations and brief little moments that you can take for yourself that can actually make a massive difference in your day, in your perceptions of your life, and in the way that things unfold. So continue to take care of yourself and we'll see you soon. Bye. Don't forget to mark your calendars for our Going Beyond Mom fall events. 
October 17th for our live podcast event and November 2nd, our next day-long Beyond Mom retreat with Revolution Motherhood. Start planning ahead to be able to attend these empowering events that will make you more whole for the season ahead and connect you with women who will continue to grow your network and your sense of personal fulfillment. See you there.